Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Some decisions, and I want to talk to you particularly about the decisions that actually Peter made in his life. Um, we all know that he made a key decision to actually follow Jesus and uh, that uh, Jesus would make him a fisherman of men. But actually, as he walked with Jesus over that three-year period, you can actually see that his faith got a lot uh, stronger. You know, it grew, it got a lot deeper in his soul. And he actually started to make some more decisions as he went through that journey. So I want to talk today about four decisions that he actually made. And I'm hoping as we talk about these decisions that you'll just ask yourself, do you also need to make some decisions in your life? Do you need to make some decisions about faith and about just how strong your faith actually is in your life? But before I actually go and just talk about um, these decisions, I want to give you a little bit of background. And I want to talk about um, education in the time of Jesus. So when a, um, a boy was born at the time of Jesus, his actual education would start as soon as he knew how to speak. So as he, um, you know, two and a half, three-year-old, he could actually start to speak, it was his father's responsibility to start to teach him about Scripture. So he would take some, you know, particular Scriptures, and the little boy would start to learn some of the Scriptures. Then at around about the age of five, he would be deemed fit to actually go and learn the scriptures. So he would actually start going to school. So uh, they had schools in those days. They were based around the synagogue. They would actually have a teacher there that was actually teaching. So then from five through to 10, that little boy would actually learn the Torah. So he'd actually learn the first five books of what is our Old Testament. He would learn scripture. You could just imagine it. You know, they'd spend all day just learning um, God's word. Then at around about um, age of 10, they um, would actually be deemed fit to actually learn the oral Torah. So the actual customs of the Israeli people, the Jewish people, that would be passed down from generation to generation. So um, they would actually learn, you know, the customs, how to actually go and uh, live their Jewish life. And they would actually do that from the age of 10 through to the age of 13. Then at the age of 13, they would actually be deemed old enough to fulfill the commandments. So at that stage, they're basically you know, becoming a, a young man. So then at that stage, most of their education, their formal education would actually come to an end. So um, the boy would go off and he would actually start to learn the trade. So in the case of Jesus, he went off and actually learned to become a carpenter. Um, in the case of um, Peter, he would have gone off and learned to be a fisherman. But however, some of them would actually want to continue on with the education. So um, you'd actually go and join night school. Maybe there might be a group of you and you'd go down the, um, the synagogue and you'd just continue to learn the written scripture and learn the oral Torah. Or if you're really good, maybe you wanted to become a synagogue leader, um, you wanted to become an official, you would actually go to university. And the university in those days was becoming a disciple of a rabbi. 
So discipleship was something that was very, very common actually in those times. And you'd do two things. You'd actually look around at all the rabbis that were available and you'd actually look for a rabbi that first of all had um, a lot of authority in scripture. So you'd be looking for a rabbi that really, really knew the scripture really well and you'd be saying, yeah, I really like this guy. I really like his authority. Um, I'm going to go and actually see if I can become his disciple. The second thing that you'd be looking for is their standing. So is this person somebody who really has um, good standing actually in the community? You know, is this somebody that I want to be associated with, I suppose? So you'd then actually go to um, that rabbi. So let's say it's Rabbi Phil. And you'd go to him and say, hey, I would like to be your disciple. And you would then look me up and down and say, no. Or you'd look me up and down and you would say, yes, that's fine. So I would then become a follower of Phil. And it was basically a means to an end. What I was actually trying to do was learn as much as I could about um, scripture and Jewish life from Phil so that I could actually become like him. And that was my university education. And I would continue doing that. I wouldn't follow necessarily Phil for the rest of my life. I might follow him for three or four years. I might actually follow somebody else. And then at the age of 30, I would be deemed old enough to actually have the authority to actually teach myself. So at that age, I had the authority to teach scripture, and I had that, um, at that age, the authority to actually um, teach others about the oral Torah. So I want to start off by just looking at the first decision, which is the decision that Peter actually made to follow Jesus. And as we're reading the scripture, I want you just to look for those two points. I want you to actually be looking, where is the authority and where is the respect? So um, I want to read to you Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through to 11. When he had finished speaking, and uh, this is Jesus speaking. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, let's, I'll let down the nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. That was like the fisherman's dream catch, right? Absolutely the dream catch. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the son of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be a fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The actual um, description master, you actually only find in the book of Luke. It's actually used in the book of Luke five times. And it actually means somebody with great authority. 
So, so Peter is sitting there, he's sitting in the boat, he's, he's fixing his uh, nets, and Jesus is there, and he's actually teaching the people that are actually on the shore. And there is just um, amazing authority in Jesus' teaching. In fact, immediately after this scripture, you can actually read in the Bible, it actually says, Jesus you know, taught with much authority. So you can see the first component of, you know, if you're looking for somebody to follow, you're looking for the authority. Then the other thing about this that amazed me. I think I'll finish the bottle of the water by the time I've finished. But, um, but the second thing that actually amazed me was the actual fishing. So in the Sea of Galilee, um, you actually fish at night time and you actually fish in the shallows. So when Jesus basically said, hey, this is daytime, go out into the deep water and throw your nets out, basically he was doing everything contrary to what he actually knew about being a fisherman. And then he actually catches that awesome catch. Then he had that awesome catch and he came in and he actually called him Lord. And Lord is basically a title of respect it's a title of honour, right? So you can see both of those components, the authority of Jesus and the actual respect um, of Jesus. In my own life, I actually became a follower of Christ when I was seven. So I actually um, heard about Jesus in a Bibles in school class at New Windsor Primary um, in around about 1968. And... Um, I don't come from a Christian family. My uh, mum and dad um, didn't actually even mention God in the house, right? But I actually heard about Jesus in that Bibles in school class. I can remember the lady. She was white-haired. I think she's about 120, 130 um, by now. And she had the modern technology. She had the big felt board, and she had these little felt characters, and she would actually move the felt characters around on the felt board. Um, as she was actually talking about um, the gospel. And for the next 30 years, I actually became a follower of Christ. I had not received him. I was not saved. I hadn't actually looked at him and said, you're my saviour. But I was actually a follower of him. I knew him. I would actually pray to him. So if things were going really, really bad, I can remember my dad had a heart attack. And um, he had to go in for a heart operation. He was... Um, you know, had a triple heart bypass, and in those days they took like 10 hours. And I remember praying to Jesus, please keep my dad alive. Right? So I would pray to him. Um, I would actually blame him for everything that was going on. I would actually look at TV, and I would look at the wars that were going on TV, and I'd say, Jesus, if that's you, I don't want anything to do with you. I blamed him for all the bad things that were going on. I'll talk a little bit about my salvation um, later on. But I now want to actually go on to the second decision that Peter made, and that is a decision to absolutely trust Jesus. His faith had just actually gone so deep into his soul that he was actually willing just to trust him, no matter what he actually said. And I want to take you to Matthew um, chapter 14, verses 25 through to 31. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. 
when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? You know, Peter was a fisherman, and he had actually stepped out of that boat thousands of times. I can imagine him, you know, it would step out of the boat, it would be plop, and your foot would go through the water, and you'd actually hit the sand, or I understand in the Sea of Galilee, the mud, and it would just actually ooze up through your toes. And he would have done that thousands and thousands and thousands of times. But now, in the middle of the night, in a um, boat that's about three to four miles off, off land, it's in the middle of the sea, and it's a blowing gale, and the sea's rough, he made a choice to trust Jesus to actually get out of that boat. And he got out of that boat onto firm ocean, and he brought his other foot out, and it was firm. And then he actually walked across the ocean to Jesus. And right at the end, his faith failed. He took his eyes off Jesus, and he started to sink. And then, you know, I'm sure that Jesus, you know, he cried out, Jesus reached him. I'm sure he would have just come back up, you know, out of the water, standing on top of the water. And then the two of them actually walked back to the boat and actually got in the boat. But Peter's faith had got to the stage where he was willing to ask Jesus to go to him. And he had enough faith in, in a totally foreign environment to actually step out of that boat and to actually walk. You know, I decided to um, accept Jesus into my life at a Western Carrier healing meeting in a pub of all places in Albany. Um, many of you will know Western Carrier. Um, and at the time, I can remember him um, doing an altar call. I went up there. I think I was the only one. There might have been one other person. And I accepted Jesus into my life. And this was at the age of 37. And then I came back to my, um, to my chair, and he actually called me back. And he actually said, Jeff, I really believe that you have a gift of faith on your life, that God has given you immense faith in your life. And I don't know why he's done that, but at some stage in the future, you will need that faith in your life. You know, faith is something that Jesus actually gives us. It's actually a gift. We can actually, obviously, we have faith, but we can actually pray to Jesus to actually be given more faith, to actually have an increase in faith. It was about 14 years later that Vicky and I actually separated, and Jesus made an incredible promise to me. He said, basically, I will restore your marriage. And all you have to do is you actually have to sit there and you have to watch. And Jesus gave me enough faith, he gave me enough trust in him to just sit there and to wait. It was um, one morning, and I love it when Jesus does this, he actually just puts a word into your spirit. He just speaks to you. And he said one morning, do you have a fattened lamb? And I thought, 
roast dinner. That would be quite nice. I'm quite, quite partial to roast lamb. And he said, no. Do you have a fattened lamb? Are you ready to celebrate? And so I thought about that. And for the next few years, every month I got paid every four weeks, I would take $100 out of my salary and I would put it into my fattened lamb account which I put with um, bonus bonds. I wanted it to be completely separate from my normal bank funds, somewhere I could not get to it easily. And uh, so that meant I would save $1,300 a year and I saved up a fund so that when God restored our marriage, we could actually go and celebrate. That's trust. That's faith. My question to you is do you trust Jesus? Do you, has your faith got to that stage where you absolutely trust Jesus. Peter made then another decision, and that was a decision that he was willing to go to prison or he was actually willing to um, basically die for Jesus. And uh, he actually verbalized this in Luke chapter 22. And again, this is um, Jesus talking at the beginning. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and to even die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. The word sift here, it's a really interesting word. It's a, um, it's a figurative meaning, and it means by inwards agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. There will be times in our life where our faith will absolutely be challenged. But you know what Jesus said? He said, I've prayed for your faith, and your faith will not fail. And then we go on to the next scripture, and I want you, as we read the scripture, I want you just to think about Peter, and in particular, just think about what was happening in his mind when that rooster crowed. Because when that rooster crowed, Something happened in Peter's life. And again, this is talking about Jesus at the beginning. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them, because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. 
At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. You know, that, uh, that weeping bitterly, that's that really, really deep sorrow. You know, that's that sorrow where you say, why did I do that? Why did I, why did I, why did I do that? Why did I say that? It's that real bitter, bitter, bitter sadness. And you know, Peter actually made a decision there, I believe. He made a decision to die for Christ. He made a decision to be imprisoned for Christ no matter what. That is how deep his actual faith got. You know, in, um, in June, I actually had a heart attack. And um, I can remember being in the ambulance going um, into the hospital. My heart attack, I was um, conscious right the way through um, my heart attack. Actually lasted about two hours. It was just one of those things that just kept on going and going and going and going. And I can remember two things about the journey in the ambulance. The first one, I think, is like um, man's response to something going wrong. The medic actually turned to me and said, if you die, do you want us to resuscitate you? And I thought, wow. And the little polite response from me was, yes, please. In fact, I thought later on saying, I actually called an ambulance, not an undertaker, but I wasn't, I wasn't quite with it. But then, actually, there was the spiritual response. And I can remember actually going over the Harbour Bridge. I can remember going down the, the um, Northern Motorway. I think I was on the bus lane. And over the Harbour Bridge, and I just got on the other side of the Harbour Bridge where West Haven is. And I basically said to Lord Jesus, I guess today might be the day that I meet you face to face. And then I said something that was really telling for me, and that's okay. You know, I was actually okay to die for Jesus if that was the time that I was supposed to die. And something actually happened in me. Something actually happened in my life. I, I basically made a decision. The greatest gift that I have is my gift of salvation and everything else is worthless. Can I actually ask you to stand, please? And um, can we actually maybe get some music going? I'm just in the background. I want to talk to you about one final decision that Peter made. And that is when he decided, first of all, to follow um, Jesus. He didn't know that he was the Messiah. He didn't actually know that he was the son of the living God. He just followed him. But actually during that period of time of walking with him, he actually came to the realisation that this was the Christ. This is the living Son of God. If we read in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 to 17, then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Job. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. You know, Peter actually confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then as he continued his journey, 
he realized that Jesus was there to die on the cross for you and me, that you and me may be saved, that we may receive him into our life and that um, we can actually have an eternal life with Jesus. In fact, it goes on to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You know, I followed Jesus for 30 years, and at the age of 37, I actually received him into my life. And it is the greatest decision that I have ever made in my life. So if you have not made that decision, then I want to give you that chance today. Um, I don't know if there's anybody here that wants to receive Christ, but um, you have that opportunity at any time to receive Christ. And if you're watching this video and you're sitting in your lounge and it's three weeks from now, you can actually receive Christ in your lounge right, at any time. So maybe you've been praying to him. Maybe um, you've been praying, but you don't really know him. Maybe you've been arguing with him. I argued for 30 years. I blamed him for all the things that were going wrong. Now I just encourage you just to open your eyes. He has that incredible gift for you, the gift of salvation. Maybe you're just sitting back. You don't want to commit. So now's the opportunity. Um, for you to commit. So if everybody just um, with their heads bowed, is there anybody here today that actually wants to make that decision, a, de a decision to receive Jesus into their life? If you do, just raise your hand so that I may see you. Again, I don't want to spend too much time here unless there's somebody that wants to commit themselves to Jesus. But again, if you want to actually um, receive Jesus into your life, you can raise your hand. A mental picture of somebody sitting in their lounge raising their hand. I'd like to actually pray the prayer of Salvation Church. Um, so please um, repeat after me. But I'm really just doing it in case somebody is watching online. Father, I thank you that you love me, that you gave your only son so that I can be reconciled to you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I have sin in my life, and I also acknowledge that Jesus is the solution. I invite Jesus into my heart that I might receive him into my life. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me. And I ask for your help in my life. Amen. I also just want to give you an opportunity if you want 